Welcome to another episode of the Piper's Dojo Audio Experience. Today I sat down with the great Donald Lindsay, um, certainly the most influential pioneer bagpiper of, uh, you know, the area of New York where I'm from here in Albany. And he was my teacher for a long time. We just kind of sit down and have a good old fashioned chat. Uh, deep conversation folks was had. And, uh, it was just great to catch up with them and chat with them a little bit. Uh, this episode of course is brought to you by all of the things we do here at Dojo University in particular, our Dojo University online membership, which I hope you'll sign up for and try it out if you're interested. But also, uh, it should be known that Donald, um, he's got some new music that he's recently released. So you should Google that and see if you can acquire a copy of the CD. But also, uh, Donald operates the Invermark College of Piping, which is probably the finest uh, bagpipe summer school you can find here on the East Coast of the United States. Of course, that's a biased opinion, but I hope that you'll check out Invermark.org, I believe is the website as well, if you're interested in a great summer school experience. But anyway, without further ado, a long-form chat with the great American piper, Donald Lindsay. Because I couldn't find my Zoom that was here. So I'm just getting that set up. Now, boy, that's got a lot of bells yeah, and whistles. So it got... even has a screen to look at. Let's see if there's any good videos on the screen. Let me. Whoa, look at that. So it's, uh, let's see, why did my thing suddenly go really low? Did what I turn what did one low? of those babies cost? Well, I asked for it for Christmas. And you probably, uh, you, you probably don't. I'm trying to figure out. When... Okay. Yeah, there, there. My volume's coming up. A I bit can better hear now. you and me very well on these. Yeah. Things. So um, these things. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. See, you're, we're recording. You're a good I'm, voice too. I'm going to keep all of this. I'm oh, gonna good. Keep all, this you're, is all part oh, of the thing. You're in very and, good voice. And then uh, yours is there. Now, the only problem I had was Gordy. I did. I did Gordy Peters. Oh, good. A ago. It was really fun. Good. Uh, is that you? Got to be careful, like. Like exhale into that microphone. You want me to do it now? Yeah, just go. Yeah. So like you got to make sure not to get, you know, those, the microphone sounds that you get when sometimes when you're breathing like a wind. Yes. Yes. So. Well, I'll try to do that. I mean, I was focusing on my breathing just about an hour ago. Oh yeah. I was meditating. No kidding. Yeah. And uh, when you do that, you know, you're focusing on your breathing, but I've also come to realize that I'm probably not going to set any Guinness uh, Book of World Records for my multitasking skills. Right. So if I have to talk I was just thinking that and just breathe now. at yeah. the same time, there's a possibility there could be an unwanted, poorly timed, ill-timed exhale. And if that's the case, that's where editing comes in. Because can you edit the breathing? I can. Oh, yeah. Well, so this is a six. This is, um, I still don't feel like I have my knob adjusted correctly. That's what, that's but, one of the um, goals for all of us in life. <laughs> to adjust the knobs yes, correctly. correctly. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, so it's it has up to six channels of input. See, this is what you've always this wanted. This is a portable studio. Yes, it's exactly Mamma what it is. So, so you see, like, we've got... We've got XLR inputs here. You got it. And there's four. That's and, and beautiful. There's like individual um, input adjustments and These pads. Game and all controls sorts of, on each channel. Yeah, just to set it the way you want it. And then this thing right here is another 
attached microphone, and you've got a couple of attachment options. And each one of those can generate it's those two channels. Two channels. Wow. Yeah. And then if you want, you can even buy an attachment that just gives you two more XLRs. My God. So if you wanted to like, if you wanted to record like, like, like say, like say the Bothy band was still on the go. Yeah. Everybody could get a channel. Exactly. And then, and then you bring it back, you bring it back to the computer later, some other time. Like when I get back yes. to the office, Yes. bring it back in. And then, um, you drop them all in, in a multi-track session and you mix them any way you want. That including is- some editing like so so for gordy like basically anytime he breathed i um i had to you know uh, mute it but it wasn't his fault it was just we had the thing set the wrong way so every time he right breathed, now, like you could hear it, it doesn't it through these headphones i'm not hearing uh, a problem with that yeah me either so what Come on now. What did this thing cost? So I think it's in the, I don't know. I, I don't want to. A thousand bucks? No, no. Like 500 bucks. That's unbelievably I mean, modest in cost. But the thing to remember also is that, so that headset is 200 bucks. Yeah. Cause it's got the nice. Um, yeah. It's pretty nice. Pretty nice. Um, it's cool though. I like, cause when I talk to people, you don't you have, have to like. the same headset. Who made this thing? Oh, you Sony. have this one. You have these ones. Oh yeah. Don't you? So, as well. uh, I've got some, I've got some combat headphones that you could use in combat yeah. they're, they're not exactly genteel they're kind of rough and ready it's the kind of thing the cowboys would use coming off the range after after moving the doggies you know they're probably <laughs> listening to like hank williams on those things you exactly know what i'm right. saying i mean you can't along. just like there's no you can't just turn on ariana grande or something on no, those. no no it doesn't really come out it doesn't really sound it doesn't give you the best of yo-yo ma exactly but you can get Hank Williams if you crank it up really well, and you can even get his football commercials. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you got him, you can hear him out there on the range uh, riding old paint. So that's what I've got for headphones. These things are like big city things. This is the kind of thing that, uh, <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> Sting would use. Yeah. Well, that makes sense to me. I like these a lot. They're very comfortable, and they keep my ears warm. And, and, uh, yeah, I like them because you don't have to explain to somebody like where where to talk into the microphone. When I say I like more, that. oh, that's good. Yes. You know what I mean? You just kind of sit, you just talk. That's all oh, you that's have to do. Very, very and good. You have to stop touching the microphone. Oh, yes. <laughs> I got excited. Then, uh, okay. I'm then, not uh, doing any heavy breathing, but I just like to touch the microphone sometimes. I'll try not to touch it. All right. Everything's good, but I've got questions I want to ask you. Okay. I want to know how your mom and dad have been lately. How they're they good. Go? They're good for them? Yes. They're extremely retired. And I think my dad is looking forward to golf season. Um, good man. Like oh. the weather gets above 32 degrees and, and he like he starts to get... The orange the orange golf balls come out. Yeah. Oh, for sure. The high vis. Yeah. In case you drive one into a snowbank, there's a chance you might locate it. With a flashlight. You know, I mean, you might think you're joking, but yeah, he has all the different colors. And he's prepared to use them. The golf well, balls. And, uh, what about Alex? What he really he? doesn't like, you get to a certain Ooh. age and white golf balls, they don't do it for you anymore. I, I understand that. It's all about pragmatics. It's probably going to happen to me. Living on the land. Yeah. It's all about living on the land. If you're on that golf course, man. Well, it's like you're when there my, for a mission. When I was young, when I was young, my parents used to say, you're going to, someday you're going to wish... You could go to bed at seven thirty, 
Oh, I'm there already. Yeah. Well, I mean, sure enough. So I've, I've, I've grown, I've gotten married, I've had children, and now I am deeply resentful when my children get to go to bed at seven. And I, I, I still have like a whole bunch of stuff left to do. Yeah. But then where I'm going with this is probably someday before long, maybe shortly after my retirement, I'm just going to. I'm just going to start using yellow golf balls. Yeah, and there's other colors. There's the lime green. You know, they're sort of fluorescent. The, the uh, orange ones, yeah. The orange ones. But white are, is no longer on the table. White is no longer on the table. And <laughs> and that's going to be me. And I, right now I'm being a little bit snarky and judgy, right? But it's probably going to happen Eventually to me. Eventually it comes to all of us. I know. If we're spared and well. If we're still there to tell that's the right. story. Yeah, exactly. If we're looking down at the golf ball instead of looking up at the golf ball, yeah. if you get my drift. Oh, yeah. Um, now, what about Alex? What is he up to these days? He's good. Yeah. Good. He's playing. Uh, so he's lead tipping in CRC with, with me right now. So Which leads to my next question. Yeah. Um, how's that going? It's, it's going pretty good. Good. It's a small, dedicated group. That's what you need. Dedication is the key word. Well, I think dedication might be like... It's like a, it's an estimated uh, rounded out term this time of year. I understand. You know what I mean? I understand. It's not like, uh, you know, it's not like, like Joe McGonigal dedicated. Maybe we need to have him up for a workshop. Like, yes, you know, yes. you don't have to, you just have to show up. Like you can put your pipes in the rear window of your car as a, you know, and use that as your pipe case. You just got to show up. You got to be excited. Yeah. That's that's right. That's yeah. exactly what it's about. Well, we, we have a lot in our band. We have a lot of people who have midterms in 21 days. Okay. So they can't come to practice today. Okay. We've got a lot of that going on. Okay. Yeah. You got a midterm in 21 days. So it's all part of the scheme of things, though. Uh, you know, uh, it's all part of the scheme of things for people to have available skills in, in due course in case they need them. In case piping doesn't work out. Well, to supplement the pipe. I mean, not not all of us, like you and I, Donald, not all of us can, can make a lavish living uh, uh, playing the bagpipes. That's true. You know? Yeah, I mean, you can tell that from the coffee we're drinking right Absolutely. now. It's uh, spared no expense. Yeah, this is the real stuff. This is the <clears throat> gourmet stuff. Now, what about Stephanie and the kiddos? What are they up to uh, currently? They're good. Yeah, James learned how to walk last week. Wonderful. And, and he already can climb like... He can climb on anything now. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. He's actually, he's really funny. And then uh, Hannah is just, uh, you know, she's into all the Disney, all the Disney. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. we're instructed to address her as Belle. Oh, that's nice. So yeah. that's, uh, that's her, uh, that's her um, stage name or? Well, Belle from Beauty and the Beast and she's got oh, like a, okay. she's got like the Belle dress that oh, she wears and when she's wearing that dress. She's not Hannah. I understand. She's only Belle. Well, this is, I, I get it. Yeah. Um, you know, Morgan now uh, has uh, uh, a blended family and a boy and a girl, and they're twins, uh, eight years old. And uh, she loves them. They love her. Uh, uh, their dad is a, a very good guy. Dan is his name. And. Uh, those kids are techno kids. They're yeah. serious Minecraft people. And uh, they know several programming languages at eight years old. Stuff that big people like go and study somewhere. So is they, Dan a programmer? 
he he's a, he's a programmer and a data a data fellow. <laughs> he um, those kids are so well off because that's really like that's where it's at now. Like um, the next generation is is the computer learning generation. Oh, uh, they're fluent and they have they they have good parentage, they, like data they, analysis people. Yeah, you know Dan's been hired by the Milwaukee Brewers. He does all their stats. Yeah, so he's, when they do he's trades, their money baller. Yes, he is. Yes, yeah. he's the money baller. Have you ever read Moneyball? I, didn't they make a movie out of that thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. You can watch it, but the book like, is where's particular. the money? Is that come from or something? Yeah. Um, I don't know, but it's just the idea that base, basically, like smart people hacked that. That sound you hear comes originally from France, and and then st- actually Scott France via Scotland. That is the sound that my father heard growing up. Wow. That is a French fireplace clock. That's an amazing clock. It sat on the mantelpiece of the fireplace in the farmhouse that my father How long up. has it been there on that counter? It's been there since, I want to say... Because I feel like it's always been there and I've just taken it for granted. I'm trying to think when it first came here. I want to say it came here probably in 1970. Yeah, so it's been there all along. My uncle cratered it up and gave it to me. It's the only object I have from my parents, from my father's world. Yeah. Except memories of my father. Yeah. I love it. I love that thing. It's simple, and that's all there is to it. So, yes, back to where we were. So, um, that's what's going on with those kids. And I can see your kids are going to be probably steered somewhat in that direction too. Yeah, <clears throat> those are my grandchildren. I have. I, I've decided. I I know what I wish I had done with my uh, college education. Okay, it's a how bit about, late. It's a bit late. In a few sentences, what is that? Just uh, computer science. Yeah, I hear you. It's like it's basically my entire life is computer science. Wow. Basically, as it as it stands, but I have no actual skills. This is what I call a segue. Yeah. One of my pupils sent me this book. Yeah, I've heard of it. Ah, good. You've heard of it, and this guy is the guy that uh, amazingly uh, is known for his novel writing he's the guy that wrote the perfect storm you probably saw the movie yeah mark Wahlberg's in that movie there you go now this fellow sebastian younger uh is a combat journalist and he's been sent to some of the most challenging combat situations in the modern world he's been in beirut he's been in uh Turkey and uh, he's been in uh, North Africa and uh, Iraq and all these places. And here's a little uh, short excerpt from the flyleaf thing. It's almost like you had this prepared, but you, you I, didn't. I did. I did. You this did. is all prepared. We have a strong instinct to belong to small groups defined by clear purpose and understanding. In other words, tribes. Yes. <clears throat> This tribal connection has been largely lost in modern society. But regaining it may be the key to our psychological survival. And he, I recommend this as a very good read. I read it from Vancouver to New York. I'm not a reader. I'm yeah. not a guy that yeah, reads books. That's true. But I couldn't stop reading this. And, and it's short. It's not, it's not too um, intimidating. It's short and it's enlightening. And um, he does a lot of comparison 
to indigenous people. Yeah. And maintains that as far as we know, earliest man probably moved in small groups. And that continued until the agricultural revolution, at which time it appears that it was necessary to set up economic systems because people were growing food and eventually began to trade and sell food, Mm -hmm. and therefore there needed to be some economic connection. So that began to change the way people thought and lived. The next major tsunami of change, according to him, was the Industrial Revolution. That changed a lot of things. Yeah. And unfortunately, the plus part was that all these things could be made. The negative part was that there were many workers who worked for very small amounts of money, and the people who owned the manufacturing centers became excessively wealthy. And so the gap between very wealthy and extreme poverty got wider. Mm -hmm. As opposed to indigenous situations where when hunters gathered the food, it was shared relatively equally among all the people. So there weren't poor people and rich people. And furthermore, there it was frowned upon for anyone to hoard food if someone hoarded food for themselves at the expense of the others that could be equal to a penalty for death right yeah um so i think that's the i think that's the endless like i mean that's the endless debate right i mean that's the divide that's the giant political divide in most countries it's yep. it's like you know uh capitalism offers the um capitalism which is basically what you're describing when you have like you know the people that own the factories and people that work in the factories but like there's enormous potential to generate wealth with capitalism right but then through communism for lack of a better word there's like you know security Co- communism offers security but it seems to, at least to me, communism really only works like you're saying in small groups and in larger groups in larger groups, like this whole issue, like if you hoard food, we will kill you. Yep. Right. That, that gets really scary. And like, for example, for example, how, like how many millions of Ukrainians were just like starved to death. Exactly. You know, so it's like both sides uh, are scary. And like the endless debate is how to balance like the two ideas. Very interesting. Absolutely. And the reason I have trouble listening to the news, as I think many people do, is the stuff that's being projected is too much to take in for me. And it's unbalanced, right? I mean, some people are are uh, unbalanced in one direction of the argument, like drastically. And I think that's how you sell that's how you sell newspapers and viewership is to be you know, is to offer like the extremes. That's right. That's the problem, I so think. That, or it, that's the challenge. It makes the media suspicious, suspect. The, um, the notion that I like to embrace about indigenous people is egalitarian. Not necessarily communistic in the way we think of communism, but more egalitarian. Mm-hmm. 
And the other thing that he, other point, I know this seems irrelevant to what we're doing today, but I just want to, I need to walk through this presentation that I've been preparing for days for this. <laughs> um, the when other, I talked to Gordy, he had it. He had a because he's an engineer. Okay, Gord, you know, okay. Gordy's yeah. like serious engineer, so he had like three pages of prepared notes. <laughs> Yeah, he knew that's, I was coming. He was that's like, Gordy. That's Gordy. You know? I knew he was that way when he was a little kid. I was very close with his brother, Jimmy. And Jimmy was more of the um, uh, Van Gogh in the family. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. I've heard he was a great piper. Yeah, he was. But a, I digress. He had natural gift. But um, so back to this thing. Um, one of the benefits of this idea of community a group of people that get together that relate to one another is that when uh, they are not shielded from hardship, small groups can have um, starvation, they can have disease, uh, they can be attacked, they can be in warlike situations. Right. But something that's a plus is that they get to face these things together and work them out the best they can together mm -hmm. as opposed to the modern paradigm of isolation of people who because of technology and the culture can now become very isolated now mm -hmm. when they encounter the inevitable ups and downs sometimes they don't have anyone else to process this stuff with yeah and then what happens is aberrant behavior, like, God forbid, going into a school and opening up an automatic weapon. It's definitely very, it's definitely a very interesting, uh, definitely a very interesting point to me. I think that makes a lot of sense. It's a downside of where the culture has been going. With all the pluses about where the culture has been going, it gave me the first insight so I could begin to understand some of the news I've been yeah. getting to hear. Well, and it's it kind of like you, so I mean, just, so you've got your agricultural revolution, pros and cons. Which, which sort of began to push against a small group that's let's right. work together yeah. now we're talking about but conceptually large amounts of consumption i think the reason i think the reason it was a revolution though is because of the like the 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 pros probably did outweigh the cons right like a oh lot, yes a lot oh, more yes. people a lot more people were fed and yes and absolutely. the overall probably the average level of wealth uh, to the people involved probably probably jumped up significantly and probably relatively speaking less starvation than yeah, there might yeah, have yeah. otherwise been and then i'm sure we're missing other i'm sure we're missing other revolutions but then you have your industrial revolution uh which by the way probably at the time if you were participating in it you wouldn't really know what to call absolutely. it it was just happening absolutely yeah, yeah. that's what i love about this perspective well so and so like I've sort of thought, you know, when people look back at this era, it's going to be what? It's going to be the um, internet revolution, yep, or or like sure. the, or the or the social media revolution, or or the data revolution. It's gonna they're gonna call it something Absol like that. Yes, yes. And um, but anyway, industrial revolution pros and cons. I think you know. I think uh, it made you know nations were able to protect themselves. Like so, there's probably heightened levels of security. Obviously, on average. Uh, more wealth available 
and again less starvation probably yeah you know you might you might still be poor working in a factory but you're not starving because they need you to work in the factories right i mean that's uh in doing some ancestral research i mean that that was basically you know my family kind of came from that like they were who knows what they were doing but you know the first records are when douglas's showed up in factories and Victorian England, you know what yep, I mean? Yep. And uh, so that's what they were doing. Yep. So presumably it offered them something really good. Yep. Because that's where that huge shuffling of society. And needless to say, tons of downside there. But now we're in this computer data interconnectivity revolution, which I think is, is you know, extremely positive overall. But yeah, like, but like now... Well, information. Small tribes it's aren't a really a thing, though. It's of available information, but like also never like, before. But tribalism is now, like, is now... Uh, another connotation of the word tribal. Yeah, but like... It can be very dark. But you go on you go on Facebook, let's say, yep. or Twitter, and you have, like, pretty quickly, you, you fall into, like, your group That's of people. Right. Maybe you're, like, maybe you're in a group of internet trolls that make fun of you know, or that hate Donald Trump or something. Yes. Yes. Or like, or, uh, or you're in a group of people who just love to repost, you know, all sorts of evil things that, uh, the Clinton foundation does or something, but you fall yes. into these, you know, and those are just political examples, yes. but, but we have, obviously we have bagpiping examples Yes, and we've, you know, like uh, people who just love the red hot chili pipers. Or exactly. Something. And yes. so there's all these tribes that you belong to, except for, if you don't belong to any of those tribes and then, you, you know, and you, you try to, if you try to do something specifically on your own, it can get a bit scary, right? The guy who sent me this is retired. He was a border patrol agent and now he's been retired for four years. Yeah. In the border patrol, he was the pipe major of one of the border patrol pipe bands. Gotcha. Now he's, Working on his piping. He played with Catamount, too, one year at the Worlds. Um, he's a really nice guy. His name's Dave Barrett. I really like him a lot. And uh, now he's, I'm teaching him drumming as well. He's He steps in with a local band, and he's he's one of the, one of their three snare drummers. Um, and he's working on P-Rock, and he's working on his Marsha Spain real playing. Yeah. And he's an adult learner. But for him, the reason he sent me this is because of the meaning of being involved in a pipe band for him. Right. That's his tribe. Well, and that's like, I mean, I think the small tribalism, I, I See, wonder. isn't it cool the way I brought it all the oh, way no, around? That's piping? where I was. I was right that's there. That's what you call. I mean, Gordy may have three pages, <laughs> but Donnie is a circular talker that brought it right back oh, yeah. home, baby. I mean, different, right back home. different approaches, different yep. approaches. <laughs> this isn't, I don't know, this isn't about Gordy being... No, no, you know, I know, but it's each person does what they do in their own way. Exactly. Well, and that's where I was right there with you from uh, the first moment you started describing the book to me, which is like, so small tribes are like more and more of a rarity, I think, for people. But they're a valuable commodity, I think I, that's I, part I of the I agree, point. but this I think... just straight black. I don't know if you can handle this stuff straight up. Oh, come on. If you want, there's milk in the fridge. I'm listening. Uh, valuable commodity. A valuable commodity. And that, uh, but I, maybe that's why pipe bands are so cool, but also so frustrating is, yeah. is like we need, 
we need these small tribes. So, so we join a small tribe called a pipe band. And then like, you know, and then you pointlessly strongly dislike and disagree with, and you almost invent pointless conflicts with other bands. Doesn't that sound like a family? And then, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's only, it's only on the 1950s television that father knew best, you know? Yeah. The rest of it is more like all in the family. Yeah. I mean, so that's part of being in close connection with, 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 a, with family members or with peers is that it's enjoyment, it's comfort, it's frustration. I mean, that's it. That's well, the it, whole bowl of and wax. And you're sharing the ups and downs. I mean, I think that's why, I think that's part of um, the coffee's good. It's almost better. Like it was originally the color of the pyramids and now it's kind of like, I don't know what It's like Glasgow is. in the 1960s. Exactly. It's yeah. like 1960s Glasgow right now. Yeah, Very right. Uh, gritty. Yep. Gritty and a deep, a deep brown color. Oh, now. So good, and it's good. You get the, you get that extra kick, which you're ready for now. That you know what I mean. It's, yeah. it's very interesting. Very, very well done. Got to ramp it up. So, um, experiencing the ups and downs as a as a, a team would be one way to put it. But like, uh, but as a tribe, as opposed to as an individual, I think that's like, I think that's a good way of describing you know, my conf- confliction with solo piping is that I don't personally handle the ups and downs on my own very well, you know, cause uh, you are on your own when you're solo piping. Now you've touched on a very, very see how I, see how topical, I, deep I augmented, topic. I augmented yeah. those genius the way you brought, way that, brought in. that around. That and nice. now, now I'm a uh, very you know, good segue. Yeah. I was, I augmented that extremely well. I think, in my opinion. So um, once you move into that realm, now we're into the realm of Zen. Zen finally comes in in a major way. Right. And um, the precepts of of Zen practice about non-attachment, the precepts precepts about um, melding into the one, uh, they all come into play now. And... um, all you have to do is watch Stuart Liddell competing at the Northern Meeting and hanging out. And all of a sudden, it all makes sense. Stuart um, seems to have um, a connection with something that's more important than what other people think about yeah. what he does. And it's more important than like results that he acquires, too. Yeah. Yeah. Those, and, guys, are, those guys are all clued in. Yeah, exactly. Um, They're basically Zen practitioners, whether they know it or not. Oh, definitely. Yep. For sure. I mean, and, if I mean, they that's actually... a goal for everyone is to become, to reach that stage of enlightenment. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I think there's an understanding and an acceptance that only a rare few performances are actually like going to be great ones. Yeah. And not only that, it's that whole thing of... Uh, what is the sound of one great peabrook in the forest if no one is there to listen? Right. Okay? Yeah. Let's adapt it to what we're doing. The person who participates in that is given an incredible soul lift because they meld with that thing that is in the back of our minds, which we consider to be yeah. bigger than us. Mm-hmm. So there it is. That's it in a nutshell. Yeah. Our work here is done. Hey, hey. you want to go see a movie? Yeah. Oh, oh, no, we're still doing this. Okay. Oh, yeah, we're still on. Okay. But I mean, yeah, that would be a good place to end. 
No, I know, <laughs> but there's so much more to talk about, yeah. especially with the encouragement of this wonderful coffee. Of 1960s Glasgow in yeah, a cup. Exactly. Exactly. So, so I mean, I think there is a, there is a tribalism to I, those who succeed in solo playing. I think that the, there's a positive connotation of the notion of tribe, and there's a negative connotation. And I think that if tribe is representative of a community of souls that are going to work through and walk through the challenges of life as a group, meaning they will not be shielded from hardship. Right. They will receive plenty of challenging uh, scenarios that they're going to have to process. Uh, but the point is they can they can try to help one another through that by virtue of their psychological, emotional, and, in, and intelligence support. Yeah. That, to me, is the positive of tribe. Now, the negative is closed-mindedness, unwilling to listen to other people, unwilling to try to learn uh, because they feel they know everything. That's the negative that is now being used heavily by the media when they talk about the political divide now in North America, in the United States, and they talk about, well, there's this tribe and there's that tribe. They hate one another. They won't talk to one another. They'll try to interfere as much as possible with one another. And if necessary, they will become violent and they will hurt people from other uh, belief sectors. Mm-hmm. So that's the downside of that use of the word tribe. But I, I think that's, but I also think that's, I also think that's representative of the concept of a tribe though, too. It's like, you know, there's, there's pros and cons pros being, you know, uh, all the pros we've discussed, but then the cons are, that's, I think that's like part of the definition of a tribe is you become, you know, you clash with other tribes. Most likely, but in for fa- example, in I can think of like I can think of two tribes in in the Peabrock world as well. Like there's competition Peabrock, yep. and then like there's a much smaller but much angrier tribe of like Peabrock purists. You know that that uh, they've you know they hate the way that they play Peabrock in competition, and this is the way it actually should be played. And you know, look at you know um, I've studied all the Cantrock, and so have my buddies, and, and you know, like uh, you know. Campsy comes to mind with his book. I mean, he, yes. he, that's a much smaller tribe, uh, but like they have those beliefs and like, you know, necessarily by definition, they're going to clash with like the competition people and the P-Rock yes. society people and the, this, that, and the other thing. And we also have like, we also have, I think kind of, we have like, we have, we have sub tribes inside of the greater oh, uh, oh, P-Rock competition yes, 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 tribes yes. as well. Like you've got like, there's a, there's a group of, P-Rock players in British Columbia and uh, East Coast of the U.S. And then you've got like, you've got a group of people, you've got a group of overseas players that are trying to win a gold medal, you know, versus a group of, you know, uh, native, like UK P-Rock players who are trying to win a gold medal. And those people clash. I've seen it because I've gone to the CPA meetings, you know, and um, and then, you know what I mean? So then there's like sub-tribes inside the other tribes. But I think like... But it's cool, right? So let's say let's say you play Peabrock in British Columbia all year during the summer leading up. To, like you you develop a camaraderie and a friendship with the people that you're playing against. Um, and that's good. And maybe you share ideas and uh, you motivate each other to play better and better and better. Yes. And that's cool. Yes. Uh, and, and not to say I don't think, I don't think uh, 
the British Columbia Pibroch tribe is particularly violent, but just kind of necessarily, <laughs> right? Necessarily, there's going to be clashes with other other tribes. Like, for example, if let's say hypothetically you go there and uh, all the prizes that year are won by Scottish guys, and there's not a yeah. single person from British Columbia yeah. in the list, yeah. you inevitably. F- like and and maybe not maybe I'm making this up but like you inevitably kind of you feel uh, irritated about sure. that. But they're back to the Zen thing once again. Um, I used to. That's right. I mean, if you can transcend all the and, and I think there there's a tenant of Zen and what I'm about to say as well. Like, you know, it's about transcending all of that tribal mm-hmm, crap. Mm-hmm, and, uh, mm-hmm, you know, and mm-hmm. I think the best players. Like I, I think let's take Jack Lee for example yep. from the BC tribe. Yep. Uh, I, you know, but he he occurs to me as being someone who's probably more or less completely transcended like the nitpicky tribal. Crap. I think and, so. And if no British Columbian players are in the list this year, I think if it did bother him, it would only be in a very very like insignificant like kind of like a fly. It sounds like from my observation that Jack has got. Then necessarily he's cultivated the equipment to process that stuff. That's right. That's right. Uh, that's absolutely right. And I wish I, I wish I like had that equipment. Well, I mean, there are people who pursue enlightenment and nirvana, and apparently, at this point in time, you can't go to the pharmacy and say, "I would like a nirvana pill, please." <laughs> you actually have to process through the experiences of life, and if you're if you're fortunate enough to have a good beacon, you might be able to arrive That's at right. a, a transcendence. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing you were speaking of, which is quite accurate about all the subgroups, is totally parallel. Um, you know, who knows the state of Christianity at this point in time? But all the interpreters of the Bible were subgroups and tribes. And King James wanted it this way, so that's what we got there. Um, And my point is, that's what people then are exposed to, somebody's tribal view of what this thing is. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly parallel to what you've just been talking about. Let me just say this, that whoever generated this stuff in the first place probably was not preoccupied with future tribes and how they would interpret it. They just went and did the thing they did. Yeah, I mean, Martin Luther comes to mind in that very discussion, right? I mean, uh, you know, he was sort of the original uh, reformist. Mm -hmm. Uh, And basically, like, he just knew tons of people with money and he started... I'm I'm totally (laughs) bastardizing the history. But he basically knew tons of people with money and he also knew how to hide from people who were going to kill him uh, because he knew rich people who were sympathetic to his cause. And he just printed a bunch of Bibles in the common language of people and like yes. started passing them out. Yes. yes but he yes. wasn't concerned with like all of the different, uh, reformist churches that were going to emerge from this like idea at all, you know, comes to mind in that way. But then like, I don't think the Baptists necessary. I think they're sympathetic probably to let's say Methodists or Lutherans or something. Uh, but I don't think they necessarily like each other all the time. 
Yeah. Yeah. And so we're, we're back again to like all these subdivisions and people aligning themselves with a particular subdivision. Well, and even some Baptists don't like other Baptists, like the, yes. the Westboro Baptists. Yes. I doubt they are representative of all Baptists. Yep. And I'm sure there is animosity and like, uh, you know, uh, tribal friction between even even Baptist to Baptist. So this is it's kind we're, of interesting. We're, we're at a point now where we're beginning to talk about something that appears to be built into the DNA of human beings. Mm-hmm. And no matter what the original event is or the original truth, human beings have a need to define boundaries around their view and then fight to to protect and uh, yeah. those boundaries so that is a definitely a negative there's no question about it It can be a positive though like take for example the american revolution yes like in at least in theory at least uh burned into my belief system is that having fought for and you know and won our freedom you know just to keep it simple uh that was a good that was a good thing you know, as an, as an Amer- as a red blooded American. Yeah, I definitely, I, and I think, uh, regardless of the political divide, I think most people probably agree with that. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, needless to say at the actual time it was happening, not everybody agreed with it, but, but now it's like, you know, there would be no constitution, bill of rights, protected rights of freedom, freedom of speech. I mean, we're still like, one of the only first world countries I know of that has actual legally protected speech. Yes. I mean, yes. not even Canada really has that. Yes. They, they, there's a bunch of stipulations there in Canada. Like, yeah. Like actually there are limits to what you can say. And you know, anyway, yeah. I digress. No, uh, no, but my it's point all being, relevant to what we're talking my about. My point being uh, fighting for fighting for like your line in the sand can be a positive thing. Yes. But it all depends on whether or not, your belief system is quote unquote right or good yeah. or something. But the then word, who defines that? The, I don't the know. The word right is a tricky yeah, word. I don't know who defines that. And we know that there were people who made 100% whole body, mind, and soul commitments to the American Revolution. So how do we explain low voter turnout in an election? Now, just in like 2019 or 2018, just like amnesia. Well, like but the thing don't is, remember. The thing, this is a symptom of the direction of society. This is saying back in 1776, people were there were tribes within the population of the United States of America, or I should say the colony, colonies of America, that felt there was a bunch of reasons why they didn't want to be ruled by someone without representation and they also did not appreciate the taxes that were being levied on the goods that they needed and they didn't appreciate economic inequities they didn't like somebody capitalizing on their hard labor for, to make uh, resources and someone else getting the bene- major benefits and they be- them being deprived. So that was part of what we understand to be the cause of the revolution. And people were passionate about it. Now, fast forward to recent years and nobody wants to go down to the polls and vote hardly at- anymore. Yeah. So there's been a change. 
and 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 it's worth it's worth <coughs> contemplating what what is at the base of that and i think he he without being terribly specific he doesn't specific, specify a lot of things we're talking about but when he talks in broad terms that for me was a light bulb going on like oh now i get it now i see what the problem is so act globally act locally i mean act locally i think you get act I, locally. I think people i mean um, i think that's what all we can do is try to make the immediate world around us as positive as we can and and back up our thoughts with actions i think there are a lot of i think there are some there are very few people in the world who are passionate about let's say studying history just like there are a few people in the world that are passionate about uh, studying music, let's say. So for everybody else who's not passionate and willing to go the extra mile on their own to study history, I think there's an extremely bastardized version Yes. yes. Of, of what the real yes. scoop is yes. going on. Yes. And everybody, and I think everybody would agree with that. They might not agree with how and in what ways it's been bastardized. Um, but like, you know, I have gone a little bit the extra mile with history stuff, not recently, but you know, I have phases where it really interests me and I look into it and I look into different points of view. Yes. Uh, and uh, let's just say the actual primary sources of data have been heavily uh, distorted by people with a variety of different with an motives. Agenda. Yeah. With an agenda. It's a, it's a slogan that the winner determines what will be uh, presented in terms of the history. So once a power sweeps over the top of existing population, that will write the new history. And right. it will be viewed from the point of the victor. The other thing, and we see this a lot in piping as well. Here's the other thing. People with an agenda put themselves in a position to push their agenda. Yes. And then there are there are people with no specific agenda or perhaps with an agenda that's just different. Um, and so they don't put themselves in positions to push their lack of agenda because they don't necessarily have one or, or they've put themselves in a different position to push their specific agenda. Like, I don't know. Um, I can't, I can't think of any examples that. Well, I mean, this is the problem with a legal judge, a legal judge uh, in the court of law is asked to follow a bunch of precepts which at least outwardly would have, would make it appear that this person is impartial in a trial and so that means there's certain things that they are supposed to not do yeah um now whether that happens or not is another question but that is the basic framework of in a court of law, someone being um, an arbitrator or judge in a in a in a in a trial, and I think we would like to just move it right into the world of piping again. We would like it if the piping judges would subscribe to what we consider to be more impartiality rather than, as you say, having their own agenda to push. Yep. Judging is one example for sure. Like, yep. like there are people with an agenda uh, and, and uh, it could be as simple as just wanting to feel important. Yeah. That, that's a common yep. one. Yep. And so a lot of people kind of like 
you know, work really hard to get themselves on the any uh, on a judging panel, yep. let's say, and that's basically it. They're happy. They've got their agenda, and yep. and or it could be it could be a more it could be deeper than that. It could be, and we have this too. We believe, let's say, P. Brock should be played a certain way. Yep. So to be on the judging panel and judging regularly and rewarding only the styles that you really like, yep. uh, that I mean, I wouldn't say it's rampant, but it definitely happens. Yep. Um, uh, and I've definitely seen it. Another one is just kind of wanting to be powerful. So yep. you see a lot of people, be, you know, teach in, in like a local, like they set up their own local little band. It's not particularly good. That's not what their agenda is, Yeah. but their agenda is just to be important and powerful and, yep. and to run a band. And so like, and so they're there and, yep. but, but like that agenda clashes with what mine is, which is to try to like, you know, basically what I'm trying to doing, what, what I'm trying to do is like pollinate good, fun, yeah. good, good fundamental concepts as far and wide as possible. That's yep. as I see them, yep. uh, which probably clashes with the, the way peop, other people see fundamentals, although they're wrong and I'm right. So that's the good news for me there. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but yeah, that clashes with my agenda, right? The, the people who just want to be a big fish in a teeny weeny pond, right. at, even at the expense of knowing what they're talking about. Yep. So like, and, and you've, I mean, you've been up against that for a long time as I well know. as someone who, you know, you're, you're trying to teach higher level concepts. Yep all over the place. Uh, I was a benefactor of that. Like luckily, you know, like, cause you were involved in, in, in helping our band get better when I was like nine years old or whatever. But, uh, but there's like, you know, I forget why I was on this topic. Well, it's what, what I'm hearing is that we're kind of in our own personal ways become, uh, expressing our, experience with what's going on right now in the world and we're relating that to the activity of piping pipe bands yeah um and i think that there is a significant connection when you spoke earlier about one of your experiences of working with a group of people and there's give i'll put it in my words that there's give and take involved. There are times when people just can't be at a practice because they have life issues that have got to be attended to, such as preparing for examinations. Yeah, a midterm in 21 days. All that sort of thing. So um, They're going to need like the full 500 hours to study for that. There's a maturity, though. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a maturity in um, taking in the reality of people in a group and as I said a moment ago give and take like well okay maybe if I just give them some breathing room when they get through that experience they'll be able to put more right. of, of a shoulder to the wheel and and reach for the next level for the group but it's like a double-edged sword to be where like let, let's take like a, a classic example of a tribe you know who's gonna go out on the hunt yep and they need everyone to participate Yep. So that they don't starve to death this I winter. I want to qualify that, but go ahead. Uh, maybe not everyone in the tribe went on the hunt. There are specialists. Sure. They're, they're, are, they were known as warriors. But if you're not going on they're, the hunt, their specialty was when the when the future existence of the tribe was in danger, the specialists went for it. Yeah. And when that issue, if they made it through that issue, then they 
handed over the leadership to the specialists who led the tribe, who weren't necessarily warriors, but they were the people who had the wisdom to see the best interests of the tribe. Yeah. And that handoff went back and forth. Yeah. Uh, under attack, the warriors were actually thinking of the survival of the group. That was their main concern, and they did the best they could do in that regard. Yeah. And when that's done, they didn't run the show. It went back. The baton was handed to the... See, that's an interesting... But I mean, I think there would detail. be a rejection. There's a rejection element. That's what I'm getting at. So, so let's say you're in a tribe... And uh, like, let's say you might not be going on the hunt yourself. Maybe you're not, but maybe your specialty is when they come back from the hunt, you're going to skin and prepare right, all the meat. Right. Everybody has a role to play. That's right. Is my point That's in a right. tribe. That's right. And like, so for somebody in a tribe to, to tell the rest of the tribe or maybe not even tell them or maybe just not show up because they have a midterm in 21 days. I don't know what a tribal version of that might be, but like maybe you got, maybe you're going to go um, on a romantic getaway. Well, they canoe also ride. have rites of passage where in uh, Australia, people go on a walkabout. Uh, yeah, but even a walkabout would be an accepted ingredient in uh, in the tribe's culture. It's but, accepted, but that might mean that they're not going to be back skinning beasts that are brought back from the hunt. They may be Going through, the, so I mean, when you think of it, midterm examinations are a kind of initiation of sorts for someone progressing through our system. The, through like the through the overarching through the overarching system, yeah. But in in the band, a midterm is not like a related. It's not a directly related element of the culture. I, and where I'm going with this is yeah. like, like where where the knee jerk reaction to be pissed off about that comes from. Okay. And it might have, it might all be related. Like the knee, re, the knee jerk reaction, like the correct reaction is probably within reason to uh, give them their space. And you know, when they're done with the midterm, they'll be back and ready to, ready to get at it. Cause obviously midterms are important. So like, that's probably the correct reaction, but the knee jerk reaction is what the F yeah. Uh, we have freaking band practice and the midterm isn't even for 21 more days. This is another thing he talks about. That's what I'm, that's what I, I bet you there is. He talks about, um, world war two in London when the whole population was being bombed and strafed, uh, in a major way. And so the government had to make a decision shall we cultivate and build underground shelters for the bombing or shall we just say use the tubes and we'll send police down there to make sure that there's order so many people went into the tubes when the bombings were taking place that the police couldn't do anything about it but this is the interesting part the people in the shelters the subways, the tubes, made their own rules. So here are, I don't know what the numbers were, but I think they were in excess many times of several hundred people. Yeah. Including people that didn't know one another. But they were either going to be on the surface and killed, or they were going to get below the surface and have a chance of survival. And the group made its own rules. Now, analogous to this, let's think about the pipe band and midterm exams. In a way, a leader is confronted 
with frustration because the leader has a mission. And now all of a sudden people are stepping off the train for a couple of 500 hours. <laughs> uh, you know what I'm saying? Yes. So that's frustrating for the leader. But um, wouldn't it be wonderful if, if there was enough passion and concern from the group that they could lay down some guidelines? For example, why don't you make good use of 200 hours and show up at a couple practices? Right. That would be an example of a group. Uh, That's what I would do if I was a rank and file member of a band. Yeah, there you go. But, uh, but it's because I understand the, the, the secret code of bands. I, I don't think younger people do. I should read. I mean, I'm gonna. I'm excited they should about all reading read this. It. Yeah, the, all the people in the tribe should read about the tribe because you know what? It might get the kind of understanding and commitment. It might stimulate that by virtue of these many good examples. He actually cites specific indigenous tribes, and he cites specific operational formulas that they have used yeah and why there's a reason why they do these things there's a reason why everyone has a job nobody sits back and waits to be fed yeah unless they're really infirmed and elderly maybe i think that's what it is though i i think i think that's what happens with with members who are not in good standing and also not coincidentally brought up in American entitlement culture. Entitlement. There's a word, man. That entitlement word is a word. It is a word. And, yeah, uh, but I think a, that's, that's what's, an important word. I think that's what people, I think that's what's happening is like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be in the band. There it is. And they come in the band and, uh, and then there's no give and take. There's only take. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, that's, yeah, 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 I think yeah. that's what causes, yep. I think that's what causes like the animosity. And yep. of course people are going to, have animosity about that like yep. you got your veterans yep. and they're pissed off about that like oh, they don't they don't want people to come in and just take and so but then you but then the the person who's coming in who probably doesn't know any better yep they're often young people they don't know any better and they're not like they don't have like deep refined perspective but then they they're pretty much instantly going to start to feel this rejection happening yep. of them yep uh and so how long do they last yep not that long Yep. And then the vast majority uh, exit. Yep. So how do you solve that problem? I wonder, you know, that's but that's right. definitely, I mean, I felt it. I think, you know, in SFU, I think people felt that like pretty poignantly with me when I first showed up. Cause here I was young guy. I like, and foolishly like had lots to say like really early on. And so, uh, so I instantly felt that like, Oh, there's resistance here. Yeah. And I didn't fully understand it, but maybe I was smarter than the average 16 year old. Like, okay, wait a minute. You know, uh, like what's going on here. And Terry Lee was, Terry Lee did probably what most of us need to do, which, you know, he, he and I, like he sat me down for a chat and was just kind of explaining what was going on, which is exactly what I just described, Yeah, which is, you know, people are, you know, people are not comfortable with, you know, new guy coming in with a whole bunch of like ideas and things going on. Like I think, and, and probably what it was trying to illustrate was until like the correct balance of give and take is established with yep. you as an individual, it's going to take time to like, you know, fit in. And meanwhile, don't do X, Y, Z for a while. Yeah. Uh, so to let the process happen like organically. See that 
is That's one of the many reasons why Terry Lee is yeah. outstanding yeah. as uh, in, in the world of piping and pipe bands as a guy with a really sage head, uh, a wise, a wise person. And it's interesting looking back too. I mean, so like he probably saw me as like a, a very strong potential asset. Yep. And so like, and then, yeah. And then instead of just letting things happen naturally, he, he intervened, I think in the right way. Yep. Cause I, and I don't know, I probably would have stuck with it, but I think that period of animosity could have had like even more friction yep. and difficulty. Yep. Like I'm pretty stubborn. So I probably would have stuck with it regardless, but not everybody would probably, right. that's probably not a high percentage of people. Right. Um, and so like, so, but he probably said, Oh, that's a potentially really valuable asset to the band. And so I think if I just help him understand X, Y, Z about like ways that he could tweak his behavior, uh, I think that might be all that's needed to make it a nice long-term like asset for the group. And uh, you know, he, you know, probably presumably like he could see like, Oh, he's a hard worker. Like I knew all the music, my first practice yep. and I was playing my pipes with the band the first, like that's valuable. Cause I was in the band for a while and that's actually, I didn't realize it, but that's actually fairly rare. Most yep. people show up without all the stuff learned, yep. which doesn't compute for me, but he probably saw that. I, maybe I'll ask him about it someday, but he probably saw that like, Oh, this guy is willing to work hard and like, he is going to put in, you know, the time and he, you know, he's already demonstrating like pride as being part of the group. So, yep. So like if we can just adjust a few more things, this could really work out well in the long run. Great wisdom from Terry. And to this day, I, I consider it a, a real privilege to hang out with him, spend time with him, and I totally admire him as a, a leader. Um, and, and he's still involved, of course, with the band. He's a great visionary. I, yes, he and is. And you don't realize, you don't always... You, like sometimes you chalk it up to just naturally being great, like, and just naturally having like that something, that special something. I think that's what most people chalk it up to, but it's not. He has like, he has a very, and I'm sure it's, it's been, I'm sure it's evolved since he's retired from pipe majoring the band, but like, but he had a very specific dialed in vision. Yep. That's how you do it. I think. Yep. That's how you execute. And I think Did that's... you hear him speak uh, at the BCPA uh, judges seminar? Mm, I was I, the online thing. Yeah, he spoke at that. Uh, maybe he, it was a different one. Uh, well, he was involved um, the previous year. Um, maybe the previous he, year. One. He uh, set out his whole scheme for dealing with judging large large entries of bands and. Um, or always, that was Ken. That was Ken Eller, wasn't Ken it? Ken did that this year, but Terry oh, okay. did it the year before. Yeah, I heard Ken's. Yeah, Ken's was quite quite worthwhile. Yeah. Very worthwhile. But Terry, um, he's kind of a sage. Yeah. He's a sage. And I think also when he's judging, I get a feeling he's very fair. I think he's very fair. I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah, I. Uh, it's good to talk about all this stuff because uh, it's to me it's very worthwhile and um, what it comes down to for me is trying to put into action what we're talking about in other words 
approaching groups of pipers and regions of pipers and locales of pipers with a kind of open mind and try to offer constructive um, thoughts that will hopefully help them be positive. Yeah. And I'm very down on all the negative crap that we've both experienced. Of um, It's always someone of little knowledge that it can't wait to put somebody down or demoralize them. Yeah. And this is universal. This is beyond piping. This is, has to do with education in general. And I know you've experienced this, and I still experience it. Someone showing up and saying, well, I was told when I was in elementary school that I have no musical talent and I should put my energies elsewhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hear that all the time. and that, that It's is, a fixed mindset versus a, a improvement-oriented mindset. Exactly. And it's yeah. also generally someone who is not, who's a failure as a teacher. You know, that in That's other right. words, this challenge is too big for me, so therefore, get out of here. You're, don't waste my time. That's right. Um, as opposed to... And that makes you a bad teacher, in my opinion. I agree with if that. If you foster and that sort of viewpoint. I think something that is legitimate is, um, if you really want to do something, show me some passion, show me some effort, show me a willingness to work. You may not be a genius, but how about we try to do something? And the, conversely, the, the people that don't even lift a finger to do anything, well, then it's maybe not inappropriate to, to be stern with them about their poor attitude, yeah. which may even lead to perhaps you need to find a teacher somewhere else that you can relate to. Right. I mean, but that's a big difference from condemning somebody because they don't have facility early on. Right, exactly. Like, you never want to judge someone's potential, right? Well, well, that's for sure. Because, like, sometimes... Uh, sometimes it's just they they just have to get their footing and then you you see you can see what the potential really can be i i I had a special needs student when i lived in british columbia and just you know i just kind of did my job right just kind of did my best to teach him and like he became a really good like grade two level soloist in the end it took a long time yep but like and it was something that i think he was really proud of i'm not sure i'm not sure i think he went into the military or something but, uh, I, you know, I wonder if that experience of succeeding at something, even though at first it didn't really appear to have much uh, starting power. Right. Um, I wonder if sticking through it and, like, becoming good at it um, has been useful in other areas. I've also had that experience. I'm currently working with a person who is uh, autistic um, and... Boy, the, the pipes mean a lot to him. You can that also means be so much yeah, to him. That's right, and there can also be great worth to piping, even if you don't become a great piper. Right? Yep, it really can. Like you, you, you know, you might just, uh, you might indeed not have the ability, or or maybe you might not have the time it would take to actually cultivate the ability, but just in studying the instrument and being yep. passionate about it, there's a, a, a lot of worth there. Yep. I think sometimes like in pipe band culture or solo competition culture or something, right? It's like, oh, that person doesn't have like that that type of talent that could go all the way, right? Or in a band like, oh, this this person beginning the pipes is 
quote unquote, probably never going to make it to our grade three band. So suddenly I'm not interested, but that's a shame. Well, you know, again, it's like, it doesn't serve my purposes. So, uh, yeah, there so you go. it doesn't serve my purposes. So that, pl- that, 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 that player is never really going to go anywhere. Yeah. And you actually believe that, but it's like, okay, maybe they're not going to go to my grade three band, but maybe they're going to, you know, uh, maybe their lives are going to be improved by being in the grade five band for the next 20 exactly, years. Exactly. And maybe they, you know, maybe they become the quartermaster and it's something that has great meaning for them. And, yep. and, you know, instead of condemning them and, and like, you know, basically shunning them because it doesn't fit that. And we have that, we have, a, we have some of that. I've seen that locally and kind of like. It, we have some of that close to home, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, in other words, potentially there can be a place for anyone that really cares about the whole thing. Yeah. They can find their niche. When it comes to talent, I've been, at times in my life, profoundly inspired by John McClellan. I've absolutely been profoundly inspired by Donald McLeod. And I've absolutely been profoundly inspired by Donald McPherson. Yeah. Um, Donald McLeod got shot through the hand in the Second Can you, World um, War. Move, sorry to interrupt. Can you move the mic just off of your beard? So up this yeah, way? Yeah, because I wonder if it's going to be scratchy. Yeah, let's okay. do that. Okay. Well, Donald McLeod got shot in the hand, and the surgeon said, your piping days are pretty much finished. The next year, he came back to the surgeon with the gold medal. (laughs) I like that story. Now, that is a combination of concepts. One is natural talent. The other one is determination. Yeah, grit. Now, John McClellan was stationed in the Middle East, and he said it was so hot that he just put the pipes in the box. He couldn't play them in the heat. And then he came back to Scotland, rolled up the sleeves, got serious about what's going on, and won everything worth winning. And Donald McPherson was also in the war, and he was in France, I believe, and he was in a troop transport, a ground transportation big truck, which apparently went over some obstacle in the road, and the whole truck flipped on its side. In the process of that, his left arm was shattered. And so when they did the surgery to put his arm back together, they had to remove part of the, the length of the arm skeleton and shorten his left arm. So he had to play a pipe bag that was cut away more in front eventually. Yeah. When he was living in Clyde Bank in close proximity to neighbors he would practice so much on a Sunday that they would complain so he wanted to play music so he put the pipes in the box and started learning to play the piano there are recordings floating around of him playing the piano yeah now the way he did the business was he was down working for the Singer Corporation which as you know made all kinds of things they made automobiles So he must have been some kind of mechanical engineer, I'm guessing. And I would frequently see him show up at Burnham Games, which you may know is a very Mm -hmm. small neighborhood, Highland Games. And he would play, and I'd often chat with him, 
And he would say things like, well, I just had to get back on the boards. Yeah. So he'd been practicing all winter down in England. He went to Burnham and he played. And then the next week he went to Oban and won everything. And then Inverness and won everything and went home. Um, <laughs> Simple. Yeah. Simple, direct, but very focused. Talk about yeah, you know, yeah. concentration, focus. And uh, I was a great admirer of that guy. He was an incredible performer. Now, something those three individuals had in common was magic, magic, magic. But let's see the man behind the curtain. Focus and determination, focus and determination, focus and determination, which is the kind of going thing on the Internet now. The going thing is, wow, you're so gifted. Uh, I am not gifted. And look what you have done. And then this, the counter statement is practice. Yeah. Practice, practice. That's right. You see, you see a curated, you see a curated um, portfolio of people's lives on the Internet. Like, look how beautiful my family is. There's exactly. a lot of that shit going on. Like, look how beautiful my family is. It's like, okay. Like, you know, like that's some people say that about our family. It's like, okay, cool. But we only share a very few like yep. videos or photos yep. of like moments that are particularly rewarding. Yep. And it's like the rest of it is like you said, it's like, we're determined to try and raise our kids well. Yep. And, uh, you know. Uh, I wish I could go to bed at 7.30, but instead there's hours of stuff left to do at night because it's really hard work. That's not to mention like, you know, like it's not playing with your kids is not like always, it's not always like not hard work. Oh, you know? for sure. Like you're all, you're reading tons of, like I've read um, uh, the Chicka Chicka Boom Boom book like at least 400 times. There you, you know, go. after the... Th- after like the 30, 35th or 36th time through that book, every time you read that book after that is work. It's not fun anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's That's like, it's, it is hard work. And so if, if you, you know, and so some people have said that and it's like, you know, I hope that you're not judging yourself based on like one or two, you know, curated uh, videos that yeah. are carefully selected to yep. be ultra cute to get lots of likes. On Facebook and Instagram, but you know what I mean though? And I think that happens. Right. Yep. And like, um, you know, Lincoln Hilton's videos are inspiring. A lot of people right yes. now comes to mind, but it's like, uh, it probably takes countless hours to put those together. Probably. And there's probably a bunch of, uh, at least along the way, I'm sure there's been tons of crap that's come out that, uh, you know, that he's had to figure out how to make better. Yep. Uh, and there's tons and tons of work. And then you see the finished video. Yep. But I bet you, I bet you even, I bet you even Lincoln Hilton uh, would, uh, you know, would definitely be pretty straightforward about, you know, how yep. much hard work it is sure. to do that, those sure. kinds of things. Sure. And, and we're back to the Zen thing again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you got to figure just, out what rewards you and then just like, yeah, go or deep. The thing that puts your soul in a good place. Reward is a, mm-hmm. is a good word. And so that means the challenge and obstacles seem to be part of the process. And the question is, is it worthwhile? And in some instances, the answer is the activity puts my spirit in a good place. That's right. 
and sometimes there's a good outcome. And and that's I I use that thing about same thing about competition, competition. Someday I think I, if I'm spared and well, I'm going to write an essay on competition. And the one of the precepts goes something like this: that if you look up the word uh, competition in a dictionary, one of the first things you're going to see is is how what a negative activity competition is. They talk almost instantly about businesses competing with one another. Yeah. So what I think about is I, in my imagination, I think of Dr. Jonas Salk. He was in competition with polio. The, he, he was on board to try to find a cure for polio. A vaccination. Yeah. So, here's polio, here's Jonas Salk, and they're competing against one another. Now, Jonas Salk could have been defeated by polio, but apparently he was determined to keep trying, keep trying, keep trying, keep trying, and eventually he developed a vaccine. So, that was a competition, by the way. Right, and I wonder if, you know, and I wonder if, like the end, the seemingly endless failure uh, was worth it with that one tiny little moment of the tiny little eureka moment at the tip of the spear. That's a good question. To I ask. think that's a good formula. I think that's a good formula for determining, you know, what your true passion is. Because we all have a bunch of stuff that we enjoy, but like you know, there's only a couple things where, you know. Um, where that tiny little moment of success would actually be worth hundreds and thousands of hours of uh, failure and not, not failure so much as like, you know, that you completely fail, but just, you did not achieve what you're trying to achieve. And, and you, you know, um, and that's like, I think that's the interesting thing. And not everybody is fortunate enough to have experienced that in their life because, um, because they quit way too soon at stuff. Yeah. So there's a lot of people out there who have never felt like the success. Think about Zen monks, the classic image of a Zen monk. How many hours do they meditate? What is their objective? We would like to think that some of them want to attain nirvana. Now let's think about that. They're competing for a too. They're competing against chaos, kind yeah, of. Yeah, chaos and distraction. Yeah. Uh, and is it worth it to attain nirvana? There's a question. Mm. I mean, all those hours of meditating, is it worth it? And then we get back to sometimes it's not the destination, it's the journey. I thought I saw smoke columns, but it's just the coloration on the hills. Uh, there's some mist in the air, and yeah. it makes it look like columns of smoke, but it's not. It's um, It's just the coloration. As you know, in B.C., columns of smoke in the countryside are a serious issue. Yeah. So I was just checking to see what that was. Anyway, back to our point. So it's pretty interesting, these pursuits. You know, I think one of the highest pursuits for a human being is to give your, your family the best you can give them and to try to try to be the best parent you can be for your children. I mean, I think that's very, very high on the list of evolution. 
Um, and a lot of people do well with that because they just give it all they've got. That's right. But also... It's easy to underestimate or to, uh, you know, or to miss how successful you've been there too. So I think, I think there's a lot of people out there who that is their primary passion in life as their kids, but then they, they don't recognize like the successes that they've had. So they, they don't feel that reward. And so, you know, you know what I mean? Even you like you've, you know, your kid doesn't get into Harvard. So you're bummed out because that was the goal, but it's like, okay, your kids still got into, uh, I don't know, Dartmouth or something. Yep. And they're still leading a lot, like a life an educated life that far surpasses the vast, vast majority of people. Yep. And so, yep. you know, I think that's, I think there's an element of, um, you know, appreciating, uh, appreciating compromise too. That's part of success. Yep. You know, like I, I never won. I, well, I never, I might, I haven't yet won the silver medal. Uh, but I did take five prizes and like, you know, I'm going to, I'd like to win it. Sure. But like, that's pretty sweet. Yes. Uh, yes very few yes. people have won five prizes in yes. the silver medal. Yes. You know what I mean? That's yes. pretty neat. Yes. And like, I think I'm okay. I, I'm like pretty sad. And the same if had I never won the worlds and I had just uh, had five second places instead, like, you know, sure. I'd like to win, but, uh, and I'm happy that I have now. Uh, but uh, and I acquired another second place last year. But like, how many people have been second place in the world in that's grade right. one that's six right. times that's or right. five or six or whatever? That's right. Like that's pretty cool. Yes. I think you have to like. I think you have to appreciate that as well. Absolutely. Joe McGonigal was big about that too. It's like, especially in Oren Moore, you know, because yeah. we were always trying to qualify. But Joe's just like, don't forget, you know, by being in this band in this room, that puts you like in the top 1% of the top 1% of pipers and drummers, yep. you know, and that's a good point. Yep. You know? And, uh, so anyway, we should probably wrap it up cause I, I got to get myself to the gym and whatever. I thoroughly enjoyed just having a chance to just freely chat about things yeah. that are of interest. That's to what us. I, I, I like. I like to have those chats and, um, have you heard any of them that I posted up? Some I've heard. Uh, the one I've heard the most is when we did McDougal's Gathering together. Oh, no. This is more recent. Like, I talked with Glenn Brown for a while. Uh, I talked with Joe Brady from Waken District Pipe Band. Oh, okay. And I talked with Andrew Donlin on one of them. I did one with Gordy. Just kind of like this. Yeah, I'd like to catch some of those. Uh, so, if I go to the website, is that where I hook into some? Some of them just pop up on Facebook. Yeah. So I usually hear those. Yeah, and then... Um, and then sometimes I'm not near a computer for a while, so they come up on Facebook and then other things come up. Yeah, these are all posted on the uh, Dojo podcast. Oh, good, 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 good. Um, and uh, so, yeah. So that's where I've been. But I, I think that there's a lot of amazing discussions that happen in piping that, that like the average person wouldn't be privy to. So yes. I'm kind of like... And I've got my fancy new toys. If I don't do this, I, it would just sit collecting dust. No, you know? this is great. So um, this is really cool. And I'm, I'm, I'm so impressed with Zoom. You know, they have made some of the finest stuff available to us at a, at a, a, a cost that we can, many of us can can manage. You could mic up your bagpipes from six different angles with six different microphones, uh, and then like, be... and then like mix it all together any way you want. I heard a recording, probably I don't know if you had this yet or before you got it, that you did in the studio recently, 
and I really liked the sound of the pipes. I thought, oh man, that's nice. Um, it was it was the basic sound that you usually get, but it was a little bit more uh, fullness of not just amplitude, but more of the sound was uh, incorporated into the recording. You were in your studio, yeah, and you were just. I don't even remember what you were playing. I mean, I haven't done anything with this yet. Um, you know, you know what the thing is though. Like, get a good recorder. Like, all my recordings that I've done in the studio are just one Zoom recorder. Got it. Got it. But like, where you position it in the room is like that. I, you, you know, you can really get amazing results. What, what I, is what your I try favorite to favorite setup for the basic Zoom when you're doing recording? Um, well, what I try, it's actually more of a process than a setup. So okay. like for me, it's, so you take your, and it, basically the Zoom is a cross mics. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's, it, it has two channels and they're pointed like that. Right. And you can actually make the settings differently. Okay. But you know, it doesn't matter. But then the trick for me is like, okay, if I were to listen to this, where, where would I be? Where would I want to sit? Yeah. And so like, you know, so you don't, you would want to, you don't want to put the microphone three feet away from you as right, you're playing. Right. Because if you were listening to a bagpipe recital, that would be a crappy seat. Right. You'd just be blasted in the face. And right. then meanwhile, you don't want to be behind the person because then you just would hear their drones and you wouldn't get the crackle of the chanter because the body of the p player would probably be in the way. Right. So then you're left with, okay, 10 to 12 feet away. Yeah, it makes sense. Maybe maybe six would be the closest at but the ear height of the listener sitting that's right. or standing uh that's right and well you know you could try you could try both like yep. you could try both to see what was better but yeah i would probably want to be sitting so sure enough like in my studio the place that my mic lives is just right about there you yep. know and the and and the mic is right about here yep and it's about maybe 10 feet away because that's like 10 to 12 feet away and that's the place the pipes would sound the best and plus my studio is quite reverberant i think that helps yes. yes um so like depending on the reverberance of your space yes you know there might be different optimal places to sit yes yes but that's the secret right you don't yep. need eight microphones yep 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 Certainly. again the microphone becomes the ears of the listener that's right yeah when and we studied that a lot in school i think mm -hmm. you know in the process but like one of the big things you know a couple of my professors they had microphones it was just two microphones and they had a big plastic head okay so it was like a plastic yeah. like and it wasn't plastic it was some sort of it was some sort of composite right that was determined to be like the most um realistic and yep. it was in the shape of a head yep. and then you put the microphones in the ears of the head got it and so what was recorded on two channels was in theory what it was what it would sound like if if it was just recorded like straight from the ears of a person yeah um and that was called um i forget what it was called binaural recording or something oh yes 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 i don't i don't that might have been what they called it but like you know so they would you would go record something in a studio or out in the field yep and you'd have a bunch of microphones yep uh and you'd have a fancy several track recorder and everything but then you would also have your little head yeah. that you put like where you would want to be. And you also got that just in case that was better than all the fancy shit. So that you did. in the mix, you could, you could select from what you yeah. have on the track. Or sometimes you would just throw out all of the stuff that you got because the binaural um, head guy produced like the best quality the most of sound. natural yeah. sound. Yeah. It's uh, very interesting. That's cool. That's cool. 
Well, I've thoroughly enjoyed hanging out with you, Andrew. It's been real pleasant. And uh, I'm going to try and get onto the site and have a listen to some of these more of the interviews. And uh, so um, I'm very pleased. Um, Ian and I have been offered um, an artist in residence from the 24th of this month to the 31st. And we're going to work with a different pipe band every night. Down at uh, the Celtic Hall? Yes. Yeah, I saw that. And then we're going to do lessons in the afternoon, and it'll be mixed media. I mean, Peabrook Light Music, but he's also going to be doing uh, light music and, and small pipes. And um, we had a different idea, but that hasn't happened the different idea was that we wanted to make it wide open for ensemble work, meaning fiddles, guitars, vocalists, uh, playing small pipes with other instruments, keyboards. Yeah. That may yet happen because the hint is that we may be hired to do two more of these in the next year. And I'm hoping one of them can be an ensemble thing. Um, it appears that a lot of the schools are beginning to finally open the doors to, well, what about if you're going to play uh, Highland Pipes electrified with electrified instruments? What about if you're going to play small pipes with guitars, yeah. with mandolins, blah, 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 fiddles? So supporting that, encouraging that, and sort of like, again, get, making sure people have at their, at their fingertips the tools they need and go create, go create. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, this time around, it's going to be more straight-laced. Yeah. It'll be just straight pipe bandy stuff and that type of thing. Yeah. So anyway, that's coming up, and what, and and I'm looking forward to it. And I like working with Ian a lot. We get on very well. He did the recording for that album that I did. Yeah. Did you get to hear that thing? Yeah. yeah. By the way, yeah. so you gave me 20 CDs. Oh, oh yeah. And... Uh, so we had them all in a box. Right. We sent them off to our, uh, you know, the people that ship stuff for us. Right, right, right. And um, they lost it. No. <laughs> they got one of the CDs in the mail. So we don't know what happened to the rest the of The other 19 are lost somewhere in space. Well, that's kind of wonderful because I hope that those 19 <laughs> people get to hear the album. Like the package just busted apart in a million pieces. So, <laughs> so anyway, I have to pay you for those because... Uh, no, listen, I'm serious about this. If something sold, give me a check for it. But if, they, if they're lost, to hell with it. Well, I mean... Here's know. what I think is going to happen. But uh, that did happen, and I haven't told you yet because no, you've been worry. away. Yeah, don't I, worry about it. I just, uh, you know. It doesn't phase me in the least. Okay. It is what it is. I hope somebody finds them and gets the list. Are there digital downloads available of that? Uh, well, that's what I was going to next. Um, Ian's been using a thing called Bandcamp. Are you yeah, familiar with yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. So he's starting to put his albums on Bandcamp, and he just gets a monthly check of royalties, whatever it is, or sales. Yeah. I think that we're going to put th that album, Land of My Youth, and maybe even the counter-rock course, because my duplicator has become defective. And I've been through two or three duplicators. We have digital, we have the digital audio of that somewhere, right? Uh, well, you, I do yeah, somewhere. Yeah, I have it somewhere. You have it, I think. And what you did is you made me master CDs yeah. of that. I think I still have the digital audio somewhere. All right. Well, maybe we can sync with it. Um, but yeah, I can get you that, and then you can put that on Bandcamp. I think Bandcamp. it's time to 
finally put it there because... But you also need the PDFs to print out, at least. You need scans of the... The booklet that I have is all on gray paper. So somehow some really elegant uh, uh, reprocessing to make that white and black instead of gray and black. Let me. I bet you I can do that. I think I can do that. All I right. Think I, have I can a, give you a booklet if you want. I think I have something. mine still. I don't know if there's any writing in it, but yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So I mean, it's going to go there, and then I'm working on an album with uh, Alana, and we are we've got a big chunk of it done. And then I want to start another album, and I'm still formulating ideas, but um, part of what I want to... I'm, I'm playing the usual small pipe configurations, as well as my Highland pipes, of course, but I recently heard a D, a low D chanter. That's an octave below the D chanters that people nice. play. Very attractive. Yeah. Very attractive. So... I'm trying to maybe eventually move in that direction and get my hands on an instrument like that. And I've also, a few guys are making Illin bass drones. I mean, non-Illin pipe makers, right? Right. I want to snarf around on that because I want to get a low, rich sound and then I want to start maybe harmonizing a low, rich sound as well as the high, shrill sound that we get. Yeah, Anyway, sure. it is what it is. All right. All right, Donald. Be well. Thanks I for doing this. Enjoyed sitting and blethering with you. That was a lot of fun. I know. Well, we should do. Uh, I want to do another one. Yeah. Sometime soon, and we'll. I want to be more specific, but I. Yeah. Sure. I've been really disorganized this week. Okay, I'm pressing the stop button. Ready? All one, right. two. two.